0: Thank you for listening to the KBU Evening News on this beautiful spring day. My name is Sam, and this is Totality of Circumstances, a monthly show about police oversight in Portland, and this month we're speaking with the current co-chairs of the Police Accountability Commission. The commission is tasked with creating a new police oversight system in Portland, and my co-host Jasmine and I spoke with them last Thursday, April 20th, and the full version of this interview can be found on the... Tr- totality of circumstances show page at kboo.fm along with our previous coverage of the commission and interviews with other commissioners so uh thank you both again for being with us today Uh, we're speaking with um casey lewis and catherine mcdowell who are uh, commissioners and current co-chairs of the structure and details phase of the police accountability commission um And we're also joined by uh, Austin Foster, the Community Engagement and Communications Coordinator. Thank you again, all of you, for being with us today. Um, And thank you for having us. Absolutely. Uh, And so the Police Accountability Commission, which we'll also refer to as the PAC or the PAC, is wrapping up its fourth phase of work, the structure and details phase. Um, And unfortunately, the third co-chair of this phase, Charlie Michelle Wesley, wasn't able to be here today due to a scheduling conflict.
1: One of the things that we've heard in the community listening sessions that you've been doing is that the community is still kind of lacking um, a real clear idea of what the Police Accountability Commission is building and what this system will look like sort of when it's done. And this last phase of work that you've been working on, the structure and details phase, is hammering out some of those details. Um, So now that you're almost wrapped up, um, can you tell us a little bit about what the various subcommittees this phase have been working on and specifically um, what the current picture is that's starting to come into focus?
2: So... um... I was going to defer to uh, Commissioner Lewis, but I'll just jump in and he can um, step in when um, when I'm through sort of an introductory um, piece of this. So we have um, three uh, different um, subcommittees that have um, been working in this um, phase of work. One has been on reporting and transparency, another on our staff, the oversight staff, and a third on the board. So um, we really, in our last phase, we figured out what The basic structure of the oversight body was going to be. And then this is the phase where we've tried to, as you indicated, fill in some of the details. So we have gotten through the, um, the reporting, uh, subcommittees work. It's been referred up to the full commission and the full commission has approved that, um, uh, the statement that came or the plan that came out of that, um, the areas of agreement, I think is the term for it, that came out of that subcommittee. And basically that goes into um, really the expectation that there will be regular reports and that those reports will be robust, that there will be a um, lots and lots of detail both about what the oversight board is doing and about the cases that come through the oversight um, uh, board. So. Um, you know, we're taking, there is, you know, on, on this issue, IPR has a pretty good structure in the, in, City code right now for periodic reporting, but this really takes it up an, another level. So we're working off the current sort of reporting structure from the current oversight um, body and really taking it up a level in terms of both transparency and the regularity of reporting. So that's one piece of it. Then the other piece, um, I'm on the um, oversight staff subcommittee, so I can speak to that. And I'll turn it over to Casey to talk a little bit more about board membership. But on the oversight staff um Subcommittee, we have um, concluded our work and recommended, um, a, you know, a, a document that has our areas of agreement to the full commission, which will be reviewing it um, beginning next week, and that goes into, um, you know, quite a lot of detail. Starting with, how does the executive director get hired? Who is that person? What qualities do we want to see in that executive director? And then from there. Um, What what really is the staffing of the agency? I mean, down to a fairly granular um, estimate around how, you know, whether we need investigators, whether we need folks to be um, crunching the data so that they can do the kind of reporting we're talking about, um, navigators or advocates to help people get through the system. Um, folks who can help us on diversity, equity, inclusion, and cultural competency. So we looked at that whole range of staffing and made recommendations on, on how how the oversight board should um manage its, you know, as a kind of a over as a general matter, what kind of structure should be in place for the staffing of the oversight board? And so I'll turn it over to Casey, who can talk a little bit about board membership.
3: Certainly. So I am a member of the board membership subcommittee. Um, We've had some fantastic co-chairs who have been running that process. Um, And I think that the board membership and the uh, agency, the staffing uh, uh, subcommittee have been working sort of very closely in tandem because that's kind of the core structure of what all of this is going to be. Um, I think one of the challenges you run up against trying to create a police accountability system is you need it to have the expertise and the support to be able to do its job and do it well. But at the same time, you don't want it to be so entangled with the police bureau and with the city uh, that their decision making is affected uh, and the trust that the community has in the system is affected, which I think is really what we have right now. Um, So by creating sort of this bureau where we're going to have the professional staff that that subcommittee has worked on, but ultimately they are going to answer to this board that is made up of community members, Uh, ultimately civilians, for lack of a better term, uh, are in charge of this oversight uh, system. And that's how it was really envisioned in the initial measure that was passed. And so the work of the board subcommittee has really been determining what that board is going to look like. And I think it's been with an eye to the fact that none of this works if the community doesn't trust the board. Um, Ultimately, one of the biggest things that we are trying to overcome is a lack of community trust in the system based on the fact that the people who are at the highest level making the decisions are people who are not necessarily trusted by the community or may have their own agendas in those decisions that are being made. Um, So when we are coming up with what we want this board to look like, um, it's with an eye towards how do we make it look like the community, um, how do we make sure that the viewpoints of overpoliced populations are really incorporated into it um, and that the sort of intersectionality um, of communities uh, such as immigrant communities, um, indigenous people of color, uh, black communities, communities with mental illness, um, the various communities who sort of have uh, difficult experiences at the hands of the police uh, feel like this is a board that they can come to and feel like this is a board that they can bring their complaints to and hopefully get them addressed both at an individual level but also at a greater policy level, um, making sure not just that what happened to you is addressed but that it doesn't happen again. Um, and so I think that, that, is, that getting into sort of those nuts and bolts um, has been really uh, helping frame all the work we've been doing so far uh, and I think that as as all three of these subcommittees have done their work, it's been really uh, heartening uh, to feel like we're starting to really be able to picture what this is going to look like.
1: Uh, going back to something you both mentioned um, about keeping your the work that you're doing consistent with what the voters voted for. Um, you had a Q and A with City Commissioner Renee Gonzalez last week, and um, one of the things that struck me about uh, his visit was him. I think it was Commissioner Casey. I think it was you who asked, "What will you be looking at? What will you be looking for when this proposal eventually comes before City Council?" And he said that the first thing that he would be looking for was that it was con- it was was fidelity to what the voters voted on. Um, He then put in the little caveat, as best as can be interpreted right now. Um, And he went on to mention, uh, you know, say things like where the city's in the worst place it's been in in 25 years in terms of public safety and the need to um, make sure that nothing about this new oversight system impacts uh, recruitment efforts and is consistent with uh, the public safety that the city needs. So I'm wondering if in the work that you're doing and in your perspective as commissioners, and you've talked to a lot of people in the city and in the community at this point, um, do you believe that there is any sort of conflict between what the voters approved, the system that you've been building and the city's current need with regard to public safety?
3: A short answer, no. Uh, I believe that the system that we are building is absolutely going to improve public safety. Uh, I will say, I forgot to mention when I was talking about my background, when I first came out of law school, I worked as a prosecutor. Uh, So I have worked with a lot of police. I have police in my family. Um, And I genuinely believe that uh, the kind of people we want to be police will be happier doing their jobs if they feel like they are being held to the highest standards possible. If they feel like they are part of a system that will support them when they are doing well and will correct them when they are doing harm, whether inadvertently or deliberately. And at the same time, I think it is can be deeply demoralizing, particularly for new police officers, when they see their coworkers acting in ways that are contrary to what are supposed to be the values of the police and getting away with it or getting you know lost in this system that eventually allows them to be uh reinstated with full pay um i mean i think we'll probably end up talking about the the recent story where we had a portland police officer who as far as we can tell the police bureau didn't even know whether he was showing up to his shifts during the time that he was working. Um, But I don't think that's a recipe for good morale. I don't think that's a recipe for good recruitment and retention. Um, And it's certainly not a recipe for public safety, because when the community doesn't trust the police, they're not going to call the police. Um, They're not going to feel like Um, the police are going to be responsive to their needs. uh, And ultimately, a police bureau that doesn't have the trust of its community uh, and is not able to work with uh, community members is not going to be effective at its job, no matter how many police officers you manage to recruit, no matter how many fancy gadgets you give them. uh, It won't, it will never, they'll never have the ability to do the job the way it's supposed to be done.
2: Yeah, I'll just add that um, you know when we um, tune in to the um, status conferences that Judge Simon has about the settlement agreement with the Department of Justice, there's I don't think there has been a conference in um, you know the recent past where Judge Simon doesn't say we cannot achieve public safety. In our community, if we don't have a police force that the community trusts. And so, you know, he's that is his guiding principle as he's working to get the city in compliance with the settlement agreement. And I, you know, I think that, um, you know, I was pleased to see that that came up in our discussion last week with um, Commissioner Gonzalez that there is no, There's no um, conflict, there's no, you know, either or between um, community safety and police accountability. The two things go together and you cannot have one without the other. So that's with respect to um, community safety, I I believe that this work is all about trying to enhance um, the safety of our community. And with respect to fidelity to the measure, um, I mean, I I will just say the measure is expansive. Um, the city council in giving us our charge um, gave us, you know, basically a charge designed to implement the measure, you know, almost word for word. And that, Charge is um, significant and broad and challenging enough that I we really I mean it's all we can do to get that done in the 18 months um, that we've been given to do it. We have until under the settlement agreement we have until October to complete the agreement. The city has given us until August now to complete it um, to complete our work. So really, it's a you know it's a significant undertaking to. Um, to accomplish what the city has asked us to do through its charge and the charge just mirrors the measure so um i would just say that you know we don't have the luxury of going outside um, the scope of our charge because you know it's all we can do just to complete that charge and get it done and done well in the time we've been given so i would say um to the extent that we have the you know, along the course of our work saw things that, well, this would be good and this would be consistent. It's not necessarily called for by the measure, but it's something that other communities are doing and we should consider it. We have made, you know, we sort of have a standing list of like additional recommendations, but those are really separate. The core of our work is is about implementing the measure, which is what the city's charge to us um, was about. So we're hearing Uh, Commissioner Gonzales talk about uh, fidelity to the measure, I was pleased to hear that because I think that's how we have viewed our work that's really been um, what has guided us over the last um, year or so as we've done this, this effort.
0: So the, the last two weeks, especially have seen multiple stories emerging concerning police accountability in Portland. And I'm thinking about uh, things like the reinstatement and subsequent resignation of former PPA president Brian Hunsaker, which you brought up, Um, a Rolling Stone article that came out about excessive police use of tear gas in June 2020 and like exactly how severe of an event that was, um, not only for public safety, but public health. Um, and there was the quarterly draft report from the independent monitor for the DOJ, the COCL, um, the Rosenbaum Group, uh, which highlighted ongoing issues in the Portland Police Bureau with internal oversight, failure to report excessive force complaints, inadequate information presented at police review board hearings, anonymous racist comments posted about training, uh, LGBTQ trainings that people had to attend. Um, these aren't unusual stories in Portland. They've been going on for a long time. A lot of them predate the DOJ. Um, so how might how might this new civilian-led oversight system produce different outcomes in these situations? Um, like what what changes in approach and changes to practices uh, could potentially prevent similar issues from arising in the future?
3: I think it's your turn to go first, Catherine. If you want to. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well there's there's a lot there. And um I think the um I guess I would just start with um, you know, the basic premise of the measure was to create um, an oversight authority that was independent of the police bureau so that the police bureau was not monitoring itself. And I I think um there's a lot in what you just went through that um Demonstrates that the current practice of the police um, holding itself accountable and investigating itself is just not working. We continually, um, you know, these these issues continue to come up, and on um, you know, every time they do, they further undermine the trust between um, the police and the community. So, the you know, the core. Um, principle of the measure and the, you know, the core focus of our work is creating um, an independent body, a body independent of the police um, uh, Bureau that is um, community led and um, community focused to um, oversee Um, the police bureau, both from a policy standpoint and from um, an investigation of individual complaint standpoint. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that just creating that independence and implementing what the voters agreed made a lot of sense here, will start to get at um, some of the problems that you just went through and will, you know, create basically a new beginning, I I hope, for the community and the police going forward. Um, So Casey, maybe you can, there's a lot in that question that, you know, starting with independence, I think is the, that's the beginning of the answer. I'm sure there's a lot more that Casey can add.
3: Certainly. I mean, I think that really is the key is having a process that people can trust. Um, And I mean, I think that the recent article that came out about the COCL report and particularly the anonymous comments that were made in response to an LGBT training was such a um, textbook example of why the current system doesn't work. Um, And the thing that really sort of raised alarm bells in my head is that the police bureau didn't seem very concerned about it. Um, And their official response was basically, well, people get offended by everything these days, so who knows if it's even offensive what that person said. I mean, imagine being a Black community member and having a police officer stop you or pull you over or something like that and not knowing whether or not that police officer is one of the ones who made racist and white supremacist comments um, and may have those beliefs and may be carrying those into this situation that they are bringing you into against your will um, when they've got a gun on their hip. Um, Imagine being an LGBTQ community member um, and not knowing if there are still police officers out there who are scoffing at the idea of uh, using proper pronouns and scoffing at the idea of even treating trans people with respect. Um, That's just not a tenable system, but it seems to be a system that the police bureau is fine with continuing um, because they just don't prioritize um, that community trust. Uh, they still, after, after more than 10 years of this settlement agreement, um, after everything that happened in 2020, uh, after all of the press that you've talked about happening just in the last week, and this is not necessarily a uh, outlier week in terms of the kind of press the P- Portland Police Bureau gets, the fact that they still have not been able to basically recognize that there's something that they need to be doing differently um, is really uh, frightening and I think shows that there is a need for there to be some sort of outside organization that can step in and say what is right and what is wrong. Um, and that's really what what this needs to be um, because you know, I I don't think that self-policing was ever going to work, uh, but it has certainly been given a fair shot. They have been given plenty of time to recognize their mistakes and try to do better. Um, And I think that you would have to be completely unable to recognize reality to think that it has been effective in any way.
1: If somebody hasn't yet uh, engaged with the Police Accountability Commission, if they haven't been into the to any of the meetings or anything like that, what do you think
3: is a good place to start? I'll kick that to Austin.
4: Hi, everybody. Um, Austin, I use she her pronouns. Um, A great place to start for a community who wants to get involved is um, we have our website. Portland.gov backslash police dash accountability. And you can go on there and sign up for our um, email list in which you can receive some of our upcoming events and things like that, as well as like monthly summaries. But I think just diving in and starting to watch some of the uh, commissioner meetings that we have, we meet every Thursday and Monday night on Zoom. Most Thursday and Monday nights we are meeting, um, and you can find all the access to those meetings to watch on zoom on our website, and you can also um, submit public comment. So if there is something that you want to write in and suggest to the commissioners, um, you can also find the public comment form on our website. So. We also have a YouTube channel, so if somebody really wants to like nerd out and dive in, you can go to our Police Accountability uh, Commission Portland YouTube channel, and you can see every public meeting we've had. We've had um, 100 meetings to date. Um, There are lots of ways to get involved, and if uh, if if technology is not your thing, we also have in-person community engagement events that we're doing about monthly at this point. But we would love to have some more community engagement and and feedback as we're going into um, kind of transitioning out of this fourth phase of work and into the fifth phase and really doing, we're going to be trying to do a lot more like presentation info sessions for the community of like walking through what we've put together so far, what our policy looks like, and actually getting like live feedback from the community in that moment versus these very um, in the weeds, like heavy meetings that we do every Monday and Thursday where it's just it's it's writing city code it's writing policy like that's not everybody's cup of tea yeah one
1: one quick follow up question before we move on to Commissioner Catherine is there are also some opportunities in these community listening sessions for people to engage without having to put their names on the public record and without having to have their responses recorded can you talk about that a little
4: bit Yes, 100%. If you are a human who does not feel comfortable giving uh, your name, um, we have the ability at these sessions, like your name, you can stay anonymous if you want to. Um, In the online public comment form, you do have to give your name and email, but you are more than happy to not use your real name and make up an email address if you want to have just a PAC email address.
1: Thanks for that. Uh, Commissioner Catherine, did you have anything you wanted to add?
4: Yeah, maybe um, it would be helpful to
2: just talk about what's ahead for the pack, just as kind of a way of um, uh, so next phase is the transition phase, which is the um, we figure out how do we get from what we have now to what we have designed. And that is there is just some nitty gritty um, stuff associated with you know, how do we, what's our proposal for implementing um, that change? So that'll be, it's a pretty interesting um, uh, area. And I think one in which we have already gotten a fair amount of feedback around, think about how to simplify <laughs> this landscape um, with, you know, there's not just the complexity of the current accountability system, but there's all these advisory boards and commissions and committees that they're hard to keep track of. So we think the idea is to try to um, both figure out how we are transitioning to the new board and maybe rationalize the the entire landscape. Who's Who's got what function and what and how should that continue? And then our final phase is where we just, we have the package and then we go to the community for final feedback. And that's really where it will be important for people to tune in. That's going to be in the July and August timeframe where I know people will be busy with um, hopefully some sunny weather and some um, you know time to get outdoors. But hopefully people will find time to focus in on this a little bit because that's the time where we will have basically the package put together and we'll be asking folks, this is our draft help us fine tune it um before we submit it to the to the city council in at the end of august hope that helps people understand where we are in the process and where the end is it can feel like um interminable so i just want people to know it's not we really do have some very discrete tasks ahead and we've gotten through i think the really the the core part of our work and now we're just Um, in sort of the wrap-up phases and the phases where it will be really helpful to get the kind of community feedback that Commissioner um, Casey talked about. So um, I want to thank you all for helping us get the word out to the community and for continuing to follow our work.
0: That was my co-host Jasmine and I speaking last week with the current co-chairs of the Police Accountability Commission, Catherine McDowell and Casey Lewis, as well as the Commission's Communications Coordinator, Austin Foster. You can find the full interview on KBOO.fm, where we go into further detail on the current system and how advocates will be provided to people using the new system, among other topics. Thank you for listening to KBOO Portland. On behalf of Jasmine and myself, have a great night, and we'll see you on May 23rd at 5.30 PM, right after the KBOO Evening News. Good night.